Welcome to another episode of The Shredder Show. Absolute pleasure today to have uh, Shelby Starnes on the podcast. So Shelby is a world-renowned uh, coach based over in the USA who tends to specialize more in the female niche. And we're going to have a fascinating conversation today about his approach uh, training the ladies and how he gets such awesome results. So thank you very much for your time today, Shelby. Um, incredibly appreciated. Thank you, Charlie. Happy to be here. Uh, just give a bit, a bit of a background on yourself, Shelby. I know you've been respectfully in, in the game a little while. Uh, how long have you been, I mean, out of respect, how long have you been coaching people for um, and whereabouts are you based in the, in the U.S.? I am in Michigan, uh, just outside of Detroit, in the northeast, northeastern part of the United States. Um, I started, I got into, build, I got into bodybuilding um, in my late teens, and I didn't start competing until I was 28. Um, I competed from 2005 until uh, a few years ago, 2017 was, was my last show. Um, I competed for 13 years and then I decided that that was enough. And uh, I competed every year for 13 consecutive years, uh, 18 shows. And then uh, since then, I've just been coaching full time. What was the highlight of your career? What was the biggest win for you personally in terms of like the memory? Um, winning junior nationals was really big. Uh, I won junior nationals in 2011, and that's something that I never, I never really saw myself getting to that level. It wasn't a pro qualifier but it was a big national show and I had done it. That was my, that was my um, one, two, that was my fourth time competing in that show. And I was just trying to get like top five or top three or something. I, I had done that prior uh, and then I finally won it. Um, so that was a huge, I wasn't really expecting that, you know, you just always show up and bring your best. Um, everything else is kind of out of your hands. You know, you never know um, how things are going to go, but it, that was a big win. And then the next year I turned pro, I, I won, I won my class in the overall the next year at masters nationals. So that was obviously a huge, a huge one. And then one year I competed as a pro five, five times, five years, uh, once a year. And one of those times I got into the first call out, at a pro show. And that was, again, something that I was never expecting. So that was kind of a shock. Um, but I got, I got fourth place at a pro show. That was, that was the highest <laughs> that I ever placed at a pro show. But, um, you know, if you know my, my background or my genetics or anything like that, you'll, uh, that's, um, that's a, that's a pretty decent accomplishment for someone that started off, uh, you know, not, not really being a bodybuilder, uh, not born with those types of genetics anyways. How, how long did it take you out of interest to go from your first show to then, or say first training, getting into bodybuilding to winning your pro card? I got into bodybuilding in the late nineties. Um, and I, I didn't compete until 2005. Um, so I had been into it for about, I had been into it for almost, I got into it around 97 and then I competed in 2005. So, you know, eight years or so. And then from 2005, I, 
I turned pro in 2012. So, you know, about, about seven years till I turned pro. And then I competed for five years as a pro. Okay, cool. And in terms of transitioning into your coaching career, is that something that blossomed throughout your bodybuilding career or is that something you started from the very outset? Um, I, I had a couple friends that once I started, I did powerlifting for a bit. Um, before I ever competed in, in bodybuilding. Um, and in powerlifting, I had a friend that, uh, my, the, the first person that ever asked me to coach them was someone that I knew from powerlifting. And he saw me move from powerlifting into bodybuilding. And I, I, did, I did well with it at, at my first show, um, bodybuilding. I was small, but I was in good shape. And he said, hey, will you help me? I want to do do a show and so I, I helped him and um I I was working with a coach at the time. I started working with a coach, Justin Harris of uh Tripona Nutrition, right when I started competing uh in bodybuilding. And um I worked with him for you know a, a handful of years and he eventually asked me, he said, why don't you be a coach under me? Uh, he had a team of nutritionists that were working under him and he said, Hey, why don't you, why don't you do this? And I said, I don't have any, I, I felt like the, I, I felt weird. I said, I don't, I don't have a, a background in nutrition. I didn't go to school for it. I went to school for business and psychology. Uh, you know, I don't have a nutrition background. And he said, yeah, but you understand it. You know, he had been working with me for a couple of years. He said, you understand it. You kind of, it's like, you understand what changes I'm you know what changes I'm going to make to your diet before I even make them. Um, you know, I've always, I've always kind of been a, a student of the sport. And so I started coaching with him under his team and uh, it just, it grew, it grew pretty rapidly from there. After, after a couple years of doing it with him, I was able to do it full time. Uh, you know, I was able to leave my day job and start coaching full time. And then it's just uh, steadily uh, improved from there, I guess you could say. 100%. And initially, in terms of your clientele, was that a mix of male and female clients? Or was it already from the outset, predominantly female? It was definitely a mix of male and female. Um, yeah, I, I work even today, I work with a lot of males, but any any males that come to me that want to step on stage for like a bodybuilding show or anything like that. I just don't really, I don't really enjoy that as much. And I feel like there's better coaches for that. And I just enjoy working with women more. Um, it's, I, I think I click better with women. Um, and honestly, I just get less hassle uh, it's, it's men, even if, even if men think that they're easy to work with, they're often not, they, they might have an ego about it. Um, they're worried about, am I losing to, you know, they're, they're constantly questioning things. Am I losing too much muscle? Am I full enough? Uh, can I increase the drugs? Um, I just find there's too, there's a lot of ego involved with it. And I'm not saying that all men are like that, but you know, I mean, if you just took a, 
a broadcast, uh, women are easier to work with than men um, from that sort of standpoint. So over the, initially I started working with men and women, and I still work with men now, but not men that are going to step on stage, just, you know, more, more of a lifestyle client. If, if someone's just looking to improve composition, lose fat, you know, gain muscle, um, I'm fine working uh, with males in that capacity. But if, if they want to step on stage, I usually uh, suggest they work with another coach. Um, there's plenty. I mean, there's tons of great coaches out there. Uh, anyone that looks at my Instagram page, you're not going to see many males. And that's, uh, there's plenty of good coaches that have, you know, tons of pictures of, of great transformations with males. And so my, my suggestion is to work with, uh, one of those when I get contact, when I get contacted by them and the, the switch to females happened maybe, uh, maybe six or seven years ago, I just started a while back, I actually thought I, I felt like I shouldn't work with females because I was struggling to really understand. I wasn't having very good success with females. I was having more success with males. And I was like, maybe I should just stick with males. And then, I don't know, I, I got struck by lightning or something. And I started having more success with females. And then as I, as I started picking up more females as clients, I you know, I just, just more experience working with them, learning more, uh, and, and having more experience, uh, over the years, I decided, Hey, these, I feel like working with females is easier kind of for the reasons that I just stated. So now I, I just choose to, to focus on females, at least from the competitive, um, competitive aspect. I work with lots of females that don't compete as well. But in terms of just competitors, which is mostly what I, you know, highlight, showcase on social media, et cetera, it's, it's uh, women's physique, figure, women's bodybuilding, those divisions, the more muscular, leaner female divisions. So it's interesting what you said there, because I would actually agree that um, women and females generally are more coachable because they tend to listen more and just respectfully do what they're told rather than try and push back and over question things um so i I would agree with you 100 percent with that um with a more specific question well you go first that's really that's really the only reason that i I I choose (laughs) you want an easy life shot i understand that it's a it's a better one with that one respect i can understand 100 percent um a, a question for you in terms of say when you transitioned more to coaching more females do you see a big difference in terms of the way you set up diet diets of female clients and from a nutritional point of view and with your background in terms of having like psychology you mentioned previously, has that helped you as well in the side terms of coaching? Um, in terms of the diet setup, there's not necessarily any overarching difference because everybody's so different. You know, I mean, there's some women that have great metabolisms and some women that have really poor metabolisms. There's some women that can handle a high carbohydrate, high calorie intake and make great progress with it. And there's other women that need to, you know, have, have a lower calorie intake. There's some women that do greats with fats in their diet. And there's some women that do awful with fats in their diets. There's, um, 
I, I, I always get asked this question on, you know, interviews or podcasts or whatever. And it's, unfortunately, there's no easy answer. It's just a matter of trying to do your best to figure out how each individual uh, responds. Um, and as, as for the psychology thing, I, I'm not a, I'm not a licensed psychologist or anything like that. I just have a, a bachelor of arts degree in psychology. So, but I mean, I, I've always had an interest in how the mind works. Um, so I would say my interest in psychology might help me more than my degree in psychology. Um, but again, I don't, there's no, I'm not sure I can sum that up into any tidy lessons for a podcast. <laughs> Do you have your own sort of specific approach in terms of a, a nutrition setup you use? Do you tend to keep, uh, are you more of a, a carb guy? Do you tend to like to have, uh, do you more of a carb cycling approach with higher carbs on training days and less on rest days? Or you keep, keep it fairly consistent? How do you tend to set things up? Um, I mean, if someone comes to me and I don't know anything about them, um, you know, if, if if someone hires me and they don't, <clears throat> I mean, the first thing I try to do is get as much information as I can about them. You know, there's a detailed questionnaire to try to learn, Hey, what has worked for you in the past? What do you know works? What do you know doesn't work? Uh, you know, get, send me some pics so I can see what I'm dealing with. If it's someone, if it's a woman, that's a high body fat percentage, that's, you know, 50 pounds overweight, and she's like, hey, I just eat crap all the time. That's someone that I'm not, I'm probably not going to give a high carb diet to um, because they, they probably don't have great insulin sensitivity. They've been bombarding their diet. They've been body, bombarding themselves with carbs for months or years or whatever. And now all this, you know, they're, they're overweight, they're fat, they're insulin resistant. One of the, key factors to getting them to lose weight is going to be calorie control and, uh, you know, blood sugar control. So someone, if someone like that comes to me, I'm not going to give them a high carb diet. On the other hand, if someone comes to me and they're skinny and they're trying to gain muscle and they're like, Oh gosh, I, I eat everything. I can hardly, I can hardly, uh, put on any weight. That's certainly someone that, um, can handle more calories, probably more carbohydrate. So I don't, I mean, there's, I, I get so many different types of, of people and some, some people know they come to me and they've been competing for a few years and they're like, Oh gosh, I can't handle a keto diet or I can't handle a low carb diet. Like it just doesn't work for me. I don't, I don't digest fats. Well, you know, I, everything just slows down when I do a low carb diet that's probably not someone that I'm going to try a low carb, higher fat approach on if they already have the experience and know their body a bit, or maybe I get someone that's the same, you know, they've been competing for a few years and they've got some muscle mass and they're like, Hey, low carb diets do great for me. You know, if I eat too many carbs, I get sluggish. I feel like crap. That's someone I'm, <laughs> you know, you know. I mean, there's, there's, just, there's so many different types of people and responses. I really don't have a set 
I don't have a cookie cutter plan. I mean, and that's how I think I get good results is that I'm willing to take the time to figure out each individual and come up with something that works best for them and then be willing to change it as we go based on uh, how they're progressing. So I really, I don't have a cookie cutter plan. <laughs> In respect to say, for example, you had a woman there who comes to you, who say 50 pounds overweight. What would your initial approach be with that? I presume a balanced diet of just a calorie deficit and a, a moderate amount of cardiovascular work, I presume. Yeah. I mean, if they're, if they're that overweight, it's, I mean, it, I mean, that's not grossly obese, but you know, just a, a woman that's carrying a good amount of body fat. I'm not going to want to drop her. Like she, she kind of weighs that much because she likes eating. <laughs> so like if you, if all of a sudden you starve her to death and lower her calories too much and lower her carbohydrates too much. Well, for one, that's not a good way to diet anyways, because it unleashes a huge cascade of negative hormonal adaptations. You drive calories too low right off the bat. And you're like, you, you don't have anywhere to go after that. You, you, you know, you, you, you're dropping thyroid, you're dropping um, leptin, you're in, in, increasing ghrelin. You're just not setting yourself up for success. So I would, you know, as much as possible, in a fat loss diet, you want to keep calories as high as possible. And someone that's, you know, if they're overweight like that, they've got a healthy appetite. They like to eat. So like you need to keep them as much as possible full of healthy food that is going to still be a, you know, a caloric deficit. But, you know, women like that, women like that, often I will put them on a, a you know, a meal plan and they will have trouble eating all the food because it's all of a sudden it's higher protein than they're used to. It's higher fiber than they're used to. It's not just a bunch of carbs and, and, and you know, a bunch of sugar and fat that's easy to digest with low fiber that, you know, increases their insulin and drives fat storage, yada, yada, yada. Um, I'll get these big women that are used to just eating garbage and then you put them on a meal plan, even though it's a caloric deficit, they have trouble finishing the meals because all of a sudden it's, you know, higher protein, higher fiber. And then I'm like, well, just stick with it and your hunger, your hunger will increase over time. As you get leaner, as you get further into the diet, you might not be able to finish all of your meals right now, but eventually you'll get hungry and you'll want, all of your meals. Um, but I don't, I don't, I, I, I wouldn't want to drive a huge deficit or anything like that in someone like that right off the bat. Um, and just, you know, just take baby steps because the key for someone like that is to find something that they can stick with and be consistent with. It would be better for them to come up with a plan that, they can function with and feel good on and maybe they only hit 90% compliance, but they stick with it for as long as they need to, which is basically the rest of their life. Instead of doing something super hardcore, uh, screwing up their metabolism and their hormones, dropping some massive amount of scale weight, which looks great for a couple weeks, you know, Oh my gosh, I dropped, 
11 pounds the first week. And then the next week I dropped seven pounds. I'm, I'm on the track to success. And then the third week they only dropped three pounds and they're upset and they drown their sorrows in ice cream (laughs) and they can't stop. And then they're back to where they were before plus some. So Interesting thing you mentioned there is in terms of ice cream. We're going to sort of jump jump mm-hmm. a kind of bit here. One of the most common things that I I see with um, I think more with women than men, in my opinion, is that after a client's been through a fat loss phase or women have competed, that they you can often see that women tend to rebound really hard afterwards. Sometimes, um, do you have any tips that you implement with your clients to try and mitigate that? And is that something you've seen? I don't know that it's necessarily any worse than with men. I think men just deal with it better and men are almost happy to see this. Men are like happy to see the scale go up and they think it's muscle. Um, Women see the scale go up and they just assume that it's fat, even though it's, you know, mostly glycogen and water and uh, GI uh, gastrointestinal content. They're freaked out when the scale goes up. So they, um, a lot of times they're, you know, most of them, not all of them. Um, you know, if it, if it makes sense to include a, a weekly free meal or maybe, you know, right after a super hard diet, you would do more than just once a week. Maybe you can handle once a day for a few days and then drop back after that. But, you know, I, I, I'm a fan of after a long prolonged diet for most people don't, don't take a super long time to come out of your deficit. Get get back to normal as as soon as possible. Um, get back to uh, you know ma- slight maintenance or slightly above. Don't don't do these things where you try to prolong the deficit for you know I'm going to add five calories per day for three weeks. It's like that's going to drive you nuts and it's just going to prolong the negative hormonal spot that you're in. Um, so I, 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 I try to p- keep people full of good food, but obviously there's going to be some cravings for some junk, you know, as long as you're not going nuts with that, most people can handle uh, the occasional bit there. Sometimes it might make sense to put a calorie limit on it. Like, Hey, have a free meal, you know, twice a week, but let's limit it to, however many calories or whatever, uh, things like that. And in terms of uh, reversing, say, for example, client, your clients out of a competition, how would you practically do that? Were you then, I'm presuming based upon what you've said, you look to jump them up quite quickly after the initial show or shoot or dieting phase? Yeah. I mean, if it's, if it's someone that I know has a terrible metabolism and is going to blow up if we push the food real fast. I mean, I, I work with some women that are, you know, 50 years old and have been fat their whole lives and they finally got lean. If I increase their calories a huge amount, they're just going to get fat again. Like there's, you know, that's, that's one situation, but another situation might be a 28 year old female that has a great metabolism, does a show, gets, you know, super shredded after her show, she needs to, you know, she wants to add muscle being slow about reintroducing calories is stupid for her. What's the point? Uh, someone, someone like that, 
you know, I have no problem increasing quite a bit. I don't have a set protocol for reverse dieting, but you know, I mean, if it's someone with a bad metabolism, it's going to be a slow reverse or, or slower. And if it's someone with a good metabolism that, you know, needs to gain muscle, needs to make improvements, I'm going to probably increase their, their calories pretty quickly. That makes perfect sense. And in terms of uh, body composition with females, do you have specific uh, ranges you try to keep them within? Say, for example, when they're within their gaining phases? I don't, I don't use body fat as a measurement. You know, I don't... But like visually, I mean, do, there's a certain things you look for? Um, I just look for body fat. <laughs> like, if they're... Uh, if I, you know, if all of a sudden their stomach is really blurry, if their lower back is really blurry, I mean, everybody stores their fat a little bit differently, you know, if their hips, glutes are, are, are piling on fat, um, you, you know, it, it, it just keeping a, the scale, the scale is part of it too. You know, if you're gaining one pound a week right after a show, that's probably a little bit too slow right away, uh, you know, just on the scale. But if you're gaining, if you gained 15 pounds, the first week after the show, you're probably doing something wrong. Not always, but probably. Uh, and it, but it, it might not be diet related. It might be fluid related. It could be a number of things. Um, but yeah, I mean, in the off season, I just keep an eye on body fat. You know, are you, <clears throat> but everybody stores it a little bit differently. And some people feel better at different ranges than others. Uh, you know, some people, I, one client I work with, it, it absolutely drives her nuts to try to stay on, to stay within 15 pounds of contest weight. You know, she needs to mentally and physically be more like 30 pounds over contest weight for her to have a good quality of life, you know, actually feel fu functional during the day and have good workouts, stuff like that. So if I tried to apply some rule to her, it wouldn't work. You know, she wouldn't, uh, I, I would lose a client and she would lose her lo love of bodybuilding. You know, she, it wouldn't work. Um, so you have to, you have to find out, you have to find the sweet spot for each individual. And in regards to, you said sweet spot, with regards to comes with training, what's your approach with training females? Is that, uh, do you, I presume of you slightly different training splits or do you have a similar approach when you approach tra training men? Uh, could you talk to us a little bit? I don't, I don't do things much different for, I don't, I, I don't do things any different. Um, I mean, it depends on the individual. Are they beginner or advanced? Do they have, like, is their whole body a weak point or are they an advanced Olympian and they have a ton of muscle and they just need to bring up, you know, one particular body point, body part? I mean, that's, that's going to play uh, a bigger difference. But I don't, I don't separate men's training from women's training. I'm not saying that's necessarily 
that doing that is necessarily bad. I know some people do. I've never done that. Um, some people also will change the training during the menstrual cycle. Um, I understand the logic behind that. It's not something I do. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I don't really treat, I don't really treat women and men different from a, a training aspect, but I don't, I don't treat them different from a diet aspect either. It's just all into, it's all, it all comes down to the individual more so than the, uh, the private parts. And in regards to your approach with training and as a general, what do you have a specific, uh, methodology that you tend to use? Or do you prefer more of like a traditional bro split with body part splits? Or do you prefer training, say like an upper lower program, push pull legs, those sort of things? What's your uh, opinion on that? I tend to fit. I tend to favor a little bit more volume. Um, I, I would say I'm probably. I wouldn't say I'm high, high volume, but moderate volume. Um, and I I always trained with a bro split. Uh, I, I I think bro splits work well. Um, if someone needs a little bit more, if someone has a weaker body part, then training it twice a week, I think is fine. I think training more than two times a week, a body part is probably excessive. Um, but I mean, if you get, if someone li likes training a certain body part and wants to train it three or four days a week, then have at it. Like it's your bodybuilding journey, not, not mine. And if that's how you like training, that's fine. I don't, I usually write my, my training programs hitting each body part once or twice a week with moderate, moderate slash high volume. And I, but I, but I put a focus on progressive resistance, uh, you know, paying attention, keeping a log book, paying attention to the weight that you're moving and making sure that you're getting stronger and not just moving weight to move weight. Like you, you need to be getting stronger. Yeah, it's that whole point of progressing, uh, progressing because otherwise you're you're almost sort of standing still. Um, with, say, for example, women, do you like say if they come to you with uh, obviously a common one for women is they want to improve their glutes? What's your approach in terms of uh, focusing on a lower, a weaker body part? Would you go for a higher frequency approach with that? Um, I mean, yeah, I would just they would probably hit glutes, hamstrings twice a week. I would just have, I usually have a main leg day once a week um, that hits everything like, you know, quads, glutes, and hams. And then a secondary day later in the week where they just focus on glutes and hams. And in regards to that, how would you split set up like a training split like that for someone as an example? How would you, what was your, uh, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what you, I thought I, what do you mean? Like they, they might have a main leg day on a yeah. Monday and then maybe three days later, come back and, and just do ex, an additional work for glutes. So for example, they might do um, one leg day, then do chest and then back the following day and then have a rest day and then do yeah. leg day, something right. like that. Right. Yeah. Just a, yeah. A traditional bro split with a leg day but then three days later have a, a glute ham day and in between you're hitting 
uh, other body parts, back, shoulders, chest, whatever, arms. Cool. And, and out of interest, I've, one of the things I've heard people say before, and I, I have seen some women who I probably agree with that. Do you think some women can train harder than men? Um, some of them, yes. Uh, but I, I mean, you might, you might be able to come up with a, uh, some sort of evolutionary, you know, women are equipped to handle childbirth or, you know, that, that type of thing. But, um, I think training intensity is just individual. There's some men that are complete beasts in the gym and some men that aren't and some women that are complete beasts in the gym and some women that, that aren't. It's uh, really, really comes down to the individual. And in terms of a hormonal side of things, obviously one of the issues that a lot of females run into, particularly when they're, they're dieting quite heavily is, they're losing their menstrual cycle. Is that something you have a lot of clients come to you with that as an issue? As uh, no, I mean, that's, it's just kind of a commonly accepted thing that when you get really lean, that you're going to lose your cycle. Most women actually look forward to that. Uh, most women are not a fan of their monthly visitor and are quite happy when they lose it during a, a contest diet or something like that. Um, it's not necessarily a healthy thing. And it's, I like, you know, when they get into the off season after a diet, when the cycle returns, that's, uh, I would consider that typically a good sign. It might be a, a, a pain, uh, a, you know, a nuisance and annoyance, but it's, uh, at least a partial indicator that they're healthy. Um, but women don't come to me complaining about that. That's just kind of an, an accepted part of getting lean and most of them don't complain about it. They like it. Yeah, that's right. And anyone who's suffering with that, who is having issues with getting their cycle back, would you have any advice for them or just other than that, just up their calories, up their fats and it should return in due course. It's usually a matter of energy balance. So yeah, if they're doing a ton of activity, cardio and training and stuff like that, that would need to be backed down in addition to increasing their calories. Um, if, if that doesn't fix it, then it's uh, time for a doctor, not a, not an internet coach. hundred percent. hundred percent. And in terms of from a supplement side of things, is there anything you avoid uh, specifically with female clients in terms of, PEDs or also in terms of normal health supplements or anything else? Nothing really comes to mind. You know, I work with a wide, a wide range of individuals and a lot of the top end, a lot of the, you know, top pros, top female bodybuilding pros that I work with. When they, when they hire me, they've already had years and years of experience with PEDs they know what they like. They know what they don't like. Um, I don't, I, I'm not a fan of throwing a bunch of new stuff at people. Um, I, I, I kind of, I mean, if they need some guidance, I, I, you know, I, I, I try to err more on the, the moderation side. Um, but I mean, 
PEDs are part of the game as you progress and further into the sport. You know, we can't pretend that people that are stepping on the Olympia stage are natural, but uh, I don't, I mean, nothing comes to mind as, I, I don't have any simple rules, cookie cutter rules for that. And is, is there anything else you'd like to add in uh, for any of the listeners, Shelby, for any advice in the training, nutrition, or any knowledge that you can share? Um, nothing comes Nothing comes to mind. I guess anybody that's listening to this, if you're, if you're feeling frustrated with your results, um, I guess just understand that there's many, many ways to go about achieving success with diet and training. And just because one method is not working for you doesn't mean that there aren't other methods that can work very well for you. So don't be afraid to uh, experiment with new things. Give, Give the new things... Uh, a chance, some time to work, but um, don't don't be afraid to uh, experiment and and try new things if you're not happy with the results that you're getting. Hundred percent, I think it's some awesome advice. I think it's one of those things that I gather from our conversation so far that you're very much in agreement that one of the things that frustrates me with a lot of coaches I see is they're very two dimensional and they're always like this is the almost like the only way is I mean progressive overload or whatever. Um, whereas in reality, there's multiple ways to skin a cat. It just depends on the individual and what works best for them, their personality and their lifestyle. Exactly. hundred percent. hundred percent. We'll wrap up and finish on that note, note show because I don't want to keep you too long. So if anyone to reach out and find any more information about you, what's the best place to get in touch? Uh, my website is just my name, shelbystarns.com. And then my, my Instagram, my Instagram is shelbystarns100. Uh, and that's it awesome so make sure you guys uh, head over check out shelby's instagram and if you guys find this helpful and insightful please make sure you share this to your stories and tag both of us on instagram and if you could leave a five-star review would be highly appreciated and we will catch up with you in the next episode of the shred show